0: Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space.
1: Through this show, we hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so.
0: On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow and I'm Dwayne Drawn. Through our 40 years of combined dirt under the nails experience, we look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, and welcome back to Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow, alongside my fearless friend, Dwayne Drawn. What's going on, Dwayne?
1: What's going on, my man? Just uh living life, enjoying the day, working my tail off and just um I make that's
0: it, really. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I, we had a, i had a great enjoyment yesterday hearing that you were locking down some some bigger projects and uh really starting to send it to the sky, man. It's I love hearing that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're uh, they're coming in back to back. It's like wow. Yeah, I don't want to say numbers, but it's looking good. <laughs> it's it's looking enough good. to cover groceries, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I can pay some groceries on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna pay some groceries. You said, yeah, on the moon.
0: <laughs> yeah, on the moon, you can get <laughs> yeah, all your groceries for sure. Yeah, or probably get some I'll change, get right?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll get it delivered too. You know, you I mean, I won't even have to go to the grocery store. I'll, I'll go to the moon just to have the groceries delivered. You know, I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good one. <laughs>
0: yeah. So today we've got a big topic to talk about, and it's something that I think a lot of business owners, especially first starting out, don't even realize, right? And they. They think that starting out a business, I mean, I'm guilty of this as well, was about, hey, how can I be the best, whatever, the best hardscaper, the best landscaper, best lawn care, whatever you're thinking about, you know, getting into, like being the best in that, in your actual craft, right? And that, that'll get you so far. But at the end of the day, when you boil business down, you know, it's not just about the functionality of what you provide. It's not about the how pretty your sales proposals are, or even how nice your design is at the end of the day, right? Or how well you communicate with your clients. All those pieces are important, but when you boil down business into its two most fundamental core principles or focuses, they boil down into two things. They boil down into innovation and marketing. I'm gonna say that again. They boil down to two things, innovation and marketing. If you're not innovating what you're doing, on a daily basis, growing by two millimeters, constantly figuring out how to make your your service or if you're building a product, your product better every day by two millimeters, you're going to get run past by somebody else. Somebody else is going to come in and they're going to be much faster and go right past you or they're going to offer certain feature, function, capability that you don't have, a certain additional service that you aren't typically offering, and they're going to end up swooping in and grabbing your clients. So if you're not constantly innovating, you're going to be dead in the water. The second piece is marketing. So how are you telling people about how your product or service is improving their lives and improving it even more daily because of that innovation? So those two are core fundamentals of business. And as an owner, they should be the only thing you have to think about, right? Ideally, those are the things you need to think about or work with people in your operation. that That's all they do. It's the marketing and the innovation side of things. Everything else figures itself out. These are two key pieces, and this goes for all businesses, not just the green industry, not just hardscapers, landscapers, outdoor living designers, and and installers. This is for all businesses. It's marketing and innovation. What do you think of that, Dwayne?
1: I want what you're smoking. Like, if you're smoking (laughs) anything right now, and if you're hiding it, I want it. (laughs) There's two sides to what you're saying, because you are so correct. Like if you want your business to be successful and grow, you have to be focused on marketing innovation. But one thing about being in the trenches and being a business owner, I heard you say just now in a second ago, and I sort of took a mental note. It's like, that's all you should be thinking. about. I'm like, who, what world is this guy in? And man, you're right. But boy, when you're in the trenches. It's almost the last thing that's on your mind, but it needs to be the first thing that's on your mind. I remember a old friend of mine that I had way back in the day, it had hardwood floors. So we would lay pavers and he would do the hardwood floors. And during the time, we would work with him. And one of the things he said that it really didn't make sense at the time, but the more and more I grew and understood business, it made sense. He said, man, we can all start these businesses. He said, but buddy, the hardest thing it, it is, is to get these phones to ring. And man, was he so correct that when we created this brand new operation this VizX, I mean, it's not new anymore. It's seven years old, eight years old, getting that phone to ring. Oh, by golly, was the hardest thing to do. And what I learned is you had nothing. So yet you have marketing and innovation. You can't even operate the company or innovate anything. If you don't have any marketing, any clients doing business with you. And I noticed that I'm going to say this and People can say, Dwayne, you're wrong, but I'm going to say this and I'm going to make this up. I mean, I'm going to put this a postage stamp statement when I talk to a lot of business owners and they sort of, ask, hey, how'd you do it? What you're doing? And I want to say. 100 percent of the time, 100 percent. They're not marketing. But they're not making enough money. Their sales are too low. Their business is not growing. They're not doing anything. And then when you speak in terms of marketing, they sort of look at you like with a sort of like a glass eye over like, what's that? Or I don't have time to market. I don't have time to do that. Or what do I do? Well, I don't do that or I don't do it that way. And it's like this is the main reason why you don't have anything. It's just you don't have any business, like a successful company is a successful marketing company, and a really successful marketing company is a successful innovative marketing company.
0: No, exactly, and you know that's. Uh, I'm glad you see it as well, Dwayne, because so often you're right in the trenches. And again, we were both there. It's not like I'm sitting here on some ivory pedestal and never understood what it was like to be in the in the field and lay pavers and plant bushes and do all that good stuff. I mean, that's how I grew up. You know what I mean? So anyway, the the point is that it took me a long time in life to realize that business boils down to those factors. And once you become obsessed, absolutely obsessed with how you can market, i.e. communicate in many, many different vehicles out there to do that, but to communicate what you do to your client and not just, hey, you know, we build out their living spaces, but how yours are more innovative, how yours are better serving your clients, how it's making them more comfortable, how it's making them uh, or allowing them to invest less and get more or whatever it might be, right? It's communicating that, that innovation to them. The more successful, the more efficient you are in doing that from creating an environment where your client loves the way that looks and feels, the more successful you're going to be with that phone ringing, right? So as a business owner, those are the things you need to be obsessed about. Now, I know most of the time is spent trying to keep crews running and keep trucks running and trying to get the logistics and materials back and forth to job sites and all of that. But imagine if you peeled that responsibility off yourself and you hired somebody that would handle that for you, that day-to-day, the stuff that really bogs you down where you don't have time, and you're constantly making excuses for the fact that you don't have time for the marketing innovation. And then, what oftentimes happens, and I've been guilty of this as well, is you'll get a you know get the opportunity finally to sit down and market, and you won't know what to do. Should I just spend money on Facebook? Should I just you know throw something out there? And then you do, you do a campaign, or you put five hundred dollars or a thousand bucks into this thing, and, and you don't see any results right away. And then you're discouraged, and you're like, oh, "I just wasted ten thousand dollars this year on marketing, it didn't go anywhere." it's craziness. Absolutely. And I've been guilty of this (laughs) over the years as well, where if you think about it and you hire somebody who all they do is that kind of marketing, right? And and that's, that's the thing they do and find somebody that you trust and get them in place to do those kinds of things. Now you need to be helping them as far as the, maybe the, 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 the direction, the feeling, the overall culture of the company and the candor of the conversation to kind of guide them and get them started. But after that, it's kind of a set it and forget it type system if you have the right person in place and once you have that up and running then it's a matter of now focusing on the innovative side and then once you have the innovation and you're like okay well our living spaces how innovative could we possibly be well for instance we could say i know our clients i've been watching them and they like to have their smartphones with them outside and connect to their you know their their av systems so they can go through sonos or bose and be able to play all their favorite music and zone it out in different areas and all that kind of stuff and they do all that from their phone so we going to make sure we have a, a really robust Wi-Fi system outside to make sure they can be all the way at the back corner of the property and still have plenty of juice to be able to do that and show off to their friends how cool their backyard is, right? So you see that and you're like, okay, wait a minute. We need to innovate. We need to create an option, not for everybody maybe, an option. You say, look, do you love your smartphone? Do you really want to be able to control this and really knock your friend's socks off? And if you're like, yeah, 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 that's exactly what I love to do. You describe me exactly. Then they, let's make sure we get a Wi-Fi system in here. It's not going to cost much. You're going to have plenty of Wi-Fi for the whole property. You could watch a movie in the back corner if you want to. Yeah, if you want to kick back with your kids and build like a little tree fort and bring your laptop out, you could stream a movie and you could sit out there and be the best out of the year. Plus, you could control your sound and all that stuff. Pretty soon you just innovated and you took one technology that isn't often thought about outside and created an entirely new experience for that client. But that innovation adds tremendous value to you as the designer, as the business owner talking to them about that project. And that function now is only available through you. Now they can go out and you know call somebody and try to figure that out, but the other guy will give them Wi-Fi, not movies in a tent with their kids on a Friday night. You know, so that's the kind of innovation you need to be thinking about. And once you have lots of that, you can start marketing it. if you have a machine in place that's doing this for you, then you can hand that off to them and they're already starting to move it through that machine. So as a business owner, that is your number one priority to be thinking about that. What do you think about that, Dwayne?
1: I'm going to add, take everything you said, I'm going to add more to that. And if you're a technical guru and you hear what I said, if I'm wrong, okay, whatever, I'm wrong, but it sounds right to me. Okay. Do you know the difference between a turbocharger and a supercharger? enlighten me okay a turbocharger works is what happens is it takes the exhaust that comes out of the engine Mm -hmm. and it spins they use the exhaust so the faster your car goes it spins a fan and Mm -hmm. it rams the air back into the engine because you know what makes fuel volatile is the parts of air. So a lot of vehicles have one part fuel to four parts air. That's what makes it ignite and burn. And so you can only get so much air in the chamber at one time to make it burn. And it gives, obviously gives the throw rods more power and it makes the engine run stronger. So a turbocharge, what it does is it rams more air into the engine so now it gets six parts air seven parts air to one part fuel which just makes that fuel really ignite but the thing about a turbocharger is you have to go fast in order to get it to spin that's why you hear like some semis as they get like up to you mean 55 miles per hour you start hearing them whistle because that's their turbocharger kicking in but it doesn't happen until they start moving well supercharger is it's already it's electronics so don't matter when it happens, you hit the gas pedal, this electronic motor spins it out and it just rams air in the engine. And the reason why I brought that scenario up is because that's how marketing and innovation works. So what happens is in the beginning, you don't really have much momentum, you don't have anything but your marketing, 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 and you really don't have a shot for any innovation at all because you don't even really know what you're doing. You're just like, I just gotta get the phone ring, people will call. But as you get this animal moving and operating, you got to keep the marketing going and you can shove that over to, hey, you've watched what I'm doing. I like this. You do such a great job and you get them going. But then you switch out and you start innovating. And that's where I think the supercharger kicks in. Because once you start with the innovating, now you don't have to worry about no matter what speed you're going now, that supercharger is always spinning. It's already plugging in. And then you become that one. And that's what I love about where we are now. Absolutely. We finally made it to be that one. Like, we're that transformational company and not transitional. And even our marketing is starting to show the transformational company. We don't even really say, hey, buy from us. We do this. We do that. We just tell the story about what we did for the last client or or what we think about doing for this client. And our phone calls just ring off the hook because now we're transforming lives. And that's what that innovative side is. Yeah. Exactly.
0: You come up with a different way and a different conversation, a way to communicate your message to people. And it's different. And that's the cool part about it. And people look forward to that within what you're doing. And, you know, and it's really, really cool. But what I found is during this crazy time when everybody is, it's a boom time, right? Everybody's got a lot of work, phones are ringing, even if you're a first year out here or startup, you know, you're probably pretty busy. And that's a really cool thing. I really admire that, that we can get out there and more people can get into this industry and enjoy it. But, you know, at the end of the day, What happens is when things are good and the phone's ringing, people turn their marketing off. They're like, that's an expense I don't need. I don't need the phone to ring anymore. I can barely handle what I got now. But what they don't think about is the fact that they are going to be losing market share because when you aren't marketing, nobody knows you exist. It's that simple. So if anything, I learned this a long time ago. A lot of very old dead smart people told me this, right? Uh, Books and things like that. They talked about, you know, when the house is, when the building is burning and everybody's running out of it, you need to run in. I think Warren Buffett said that Uh, he's still alive. So anyway, a lot of people, you know, with a lot more experience than I do in life had said this where, you know, when that building is burning, and everybody's running out, you're running and that's, that's your opportunity time because everybody else is scared running from it and you can get a much better deal or you get a much better grab or more foothold, whatever it might be. So the important part here to think about is during these times when things are really good and you're making great bank without having to even advertise because people are just calling all the time. Put away money that you would normally put away in an average year and keep it in the marketing machine. Maybe you adjust your way you're doing it, the trajectory of that money, the vehicle that it's in, but at the same time, don't stop. Right now, turn it up because now it's time where you can start building market share. Now it's time you can start building awareness. People are really interested in outdoor living, so you can gain a lot of followers, a lot of eyeballs, a lot of all of this stuff. And if you turn the machine off and and then you wait till you need work, and then you turn it back on again, and the next thing you know, you're like, wait a minute here, it's only crickets. I don't, uh, I don't know what the hell is going on here. I need work now. It can't work that way with a bigger marketing machine. It's really great just to leave it running, and then you can be more specific and more selective in your lead selection when you're looking through the leads that are coming in. Like, look, I only want certain types of leads that I'm willing to go into and other ones I'm really not that interested in. So keep that in mind as you're going. Keep that marketing machine always running. And when that's disconnected and someone else is doing it for you, then it's a lot easier just to just set it and forget it and work with them monthly on meetings and things like that in order to make sure everybody's in the right angle and going the right direction. But that's, that's an important part of this to keep it moving.
1: Yeah. I listen to, you ever heard of Grant Cardone? Sure. I listened to Grant before I think he knew he was Grant. You know, <laughs> it sounds funny, but it's, uh, it's some real talk. Like it was really, I'm saying about 20 years ago before Grant Cardone was really a name, a household name. He was a car sales guru. Mm-hmm. and he made some videos. And I don't know if he made the videos because he was really good and he made it great at car sales or he just made videos because he said, well, maybe I can make some money teaching people how to sell cars. So that's probably where he made his money. Probably didn't make it selling cars, probably made it teaching people how to sell cars. But I was the guy who listened to his CDs and I was like really getting some nuggets and I became a really good salesman from that. And one of the things that he said is, and that never forgot this, and this is why my June and July's were always profitable. Like a lot of my friends, they, in the landscape industry, their June and July was always scary for them because they would stop marketing. They would market in the spring, get a ton of business and stop and quit. And our June and July and August was always booming vacation time. We were always still booming because Grant would say, when you needed to market, it's already too late. And I just never forgotten that. Like if you need to market, you're already in trouble and you're it's you're already falling back behind the power curve so you have to always keep something floating out there even if you back down you still got to keep something you got to keep some rev- relevance you still have to stay out there and keep your your name in in people's
0: faces that yeah, absolutely 100% and, you know, it, it, often marketing feels like you're wasting your money, especially, I like to think of it this way. I, when I first started out and I hired a marketing agency and spent a lot of money for that, and I was like, you know what, thousands of dollars into this, and they created all these cool things, which I loved, loved to look at, helped my ego, but it wasn't making the phones ringing, right? It wasn't it wasn't turning sales. It wasn't this kind of thing for the first months and months, right? And then I get discouraged after six, eight, 10 months of this $1,000, $2,000, $5,000 a month, whatever the hell the number was, didn't matter. Uh, and I'm like, man, it's just not it's, nothing's happening yet. Nothing's happening. And then I shut it off and I'm like, it's done. It's just a waste. You know, the marketing is a waste of money. That's what I, I got stuck on. I'm like, marketing is a waste of money. It's better. Word of mouth is always better. That's just what it's going to be. I'm going to focus on getting more word of mouth work and I'm not going to spend any more money on marketing. That was it. That was my mindset. I was like, done. But then I realized years later that I was a complete freaking idiot because that's not the case. The problem is that marketing is not something you just turn on and it like water comes out of a faucet. That's not how it works. You got to prime that pump first. You got to make sure you're speaking a message that speaks to the people that that actually want to hear it, right? You also have to be thinking about something that is critical in marketing. And that's, you know, thinking about all the clients, if you're new in the business, thinking about your ideal client that you would think would be your ideal client. Uh, But if you've been in business any more than a year or five or 10 or 20 years, you know what your ideal client is. As far as if you could go down the list of clients you've worked with in the last uh, so many years and say, you know what, if I had to pick my top three clients that I wish I could copy or clone, right, and just multiply them and work for that exact client over and over and over again because their budgets were reasonable, they were awesome to work with, they liked your choices, at the end you felt like they were family, Whatever your criteria might be for an ideal client. But you take three of those and then you write them out and you start figuring out what is common between those three, those three families or those three people. And then you start getting, you know, threads. You start seeing a thread here, like, all right, well, they really enjoy family time, or they have two kids and one dog, or you know, they both they all drive Mitsubishi, like whatever the hell it might be, right? You start getting a thread of this and you say, okay, good. Now I'm getting a sense of who these people are, where they vacation, what they what keeps them up at night, right? What keeps that what do they worry about? Uh, what do they hope to do? What is their why for doing a space like this? There's going to be commonalities. Once you find that commonality and you start realizing that those are your ideal clients, or, or not the question is, you need to fall in love with those ideal clients. And obviously, I don't mean physically. I don't mean you know anything like that. What I mean by it is that you understand what drives them, because if you can communicate to them clearly, as you already have, because they are your clients, and then you can then take that same message out to others that are similar to them. And then they'll respond in a similar way, right? If they really, for instance, don't like to live with regret or want to have a really cool backyard to entertain because they love being the life of the party or their or or your ideal demographic are aging in place and they want a space they can walk out with no steps and enjoy a space with their grandkids something that's going to attract those grandkids back five days a week because they cannot wait to spend all the rest of their days with their family like whatever it might be but fall in love with your ideal client not not your product or service that's the big one, Dwayne. So many fall in love with their product or service, and if they're awesome at laying pavers, they just keep focusing on being more awesome laying pavers, but they're missing the big picture here. They're missing the connection to the client who's paying the bill. So if you stay close to those people when when your ideal client in a different economy, things change, the market changes, whatever, when they zig, you zig. When they zag, you zag. And then you adjust and innovate and remarket Change your marketing strategy to talk to them more clearly about what's going on today, what's prevalent today. If you don't, and it's just all about your service or your product, and you keep trying to think about how can I make my trailers fancier, how can I get my pavers in faster and all that kind of stuff, that's great, but you're missing the buyer side of this equation. It is so important to be focused on your falling in love with your ideal client so you can move with them as opposed to falling in love with the side that is only for you then, which is that product or service, the ego side of it.
1: Hey, why is this an issue
0: in business? I think because it's easy to see what you you do each day, right? So if you start out a business to, let's just say lay papers, right? You watch the videos online, you see everybody doing this, you start following some of the gurus and you see that they're, you take pictures of all kinds of cool projects. So for you, the end game or the goal is to be able to show pictures like that because the ego, it's it's a human condition, right? The ego kicks in and says, I want to show that I'm this cool too, that I can do this too. Cause you know, you can. So it's all about trying to show those big pictures for yourself. And then your client decides, you know what? I'm not in the pavers anymore because I'm getting sick and tired of weeds. I really want to get into this next new technology. And you're so fascinated and focused on doing the best bases and making sure the job sites look big so you can send your drone up in the air and fly around and take pictures so that on Facebook and Instagram that everybody can say, "Ooh, ah, look how big of stuff he's doing now or I'm putting nine borders on a patio instead of eight. Like just because you're trying to compete with them and you miss and lose sight Of what really matters which is your client but if your thumb is on their pulse by staying close to them and having conversations with them and that being the focus of your innovation and your marketing is your client the rest falls in place that's the beauty of it all but usually the ego gets in place with the building of things because we love building shit right i love building shit i love seeing things come to life and I know most of us get into this type of work for that exact reason, because we can show uh, a product that we built with our hands, and we can take credit for that amazing feat, which is incredible. I love that about this industry. But if you miss the focus and get stuck on that side, and not talk about talk to your clients and and feel that change with them and feel the wind shifting in the sails, you're going to be totally out in the in the field with big pictures of project, and then all of a sudden you'll have no projects because your clients will have gone left, and you'll have gone right because you missed the turn.
1: Yeah, there's there's such a huge Sort of disconnect when it comes to that. Let's take this question deeper. Like, you I mean is there a, a psyche behind that? Is it is it a limited belief or something? While like, because like I've, I'm reading books now and I'm learning how to do it, but I'm still a victim. You do a job and it's all done, and thank you for the business. Here's the check, and boom, you don't even talk to them. Yeah. Like and they were dope ass people. Like you being had a good time working together, you talked about life, you mean, you executed the job, they enjoyed what you did, but yet there's still this this gap. Like what causes that?
0: Like why? Yeah, I mean, when you say gap, could you clarify a little more?
1: Like you're not talking to them anymore. Like the job is done and it's over with and tumbleweeds roll by. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. it's not, you I mean you you did the basic thing. You did the thank you, you send the thank you letter mm-hmm. and that's it. But there's no relationship that and that's that's where the true marketing that that's where like that's where the bread really hits the water because these people they did business with you. So they know your business and they know how you operate. They are going to be the very best you know, what I mean, uh, marketing tool for you, like, you don't have to shoot a video, but they're going to talk about you, they're going to tell their friends about you. You mm-hmm. mean, especially if you stay up with them, like, why is there such? Why is there a stop? And I don't, I actually don't do it anymore. I actually, I pay a lot of attention to this. But why was there and even when you knew you should have been doing it? Like, what what is that psyche that that does that?
0: I think that What happens, and this is obviously a a bigger question, but I think this is a simpler, small answer is that because we're in business and we get excited about selling the the job, right? That's the big thing. We killed it. We're bringing it home, right? We want to hand it off, possibly build it. Maybe that's the team's job. And then off you go to the next kill, right? So you're all excited. You're promising a lot in the front. You're giving them a great experience. And then all of a sudden the check comes across the desk. You lose excitement in it. And you're like, now I got to build this thing. You know what I mean? It's like the whole thing shifts that that typically is the tipping point. in most of these transactions, right? But what happens is it goes from being a transformation, the experience, your talk, your excitement goes from that transformational, we talked about this in the podcast, right? Uh, the transformational side into a transaction. And then the client feels that they're part of a transaction, not a transformation anymore. And then at the end, they're like, all right, great. This was fun in the beginning. You kind of did what you did in the middle. And now it's the end. Adios, see you later. We, we don't have that that connection to you anymore because we, not that it's bad. It's just that they don't have the the energy of that client experience from the very beginning to the very end wasn't a, a flat line or, you know, have a lot of bunch of peaks in it. It was more of a kind of a, a spike and then a drop. And then you just kind of got through it. So I think the difference is if you can take within your client experience, focus on getting that transformational feeling from beginning all the way through the end and bring that energy all the way through to the end, that's where I think you have that. That's where I think you get the Christmas cards from the clients. That's when you get the invites to the gatherings, the first parties in the back. That's when you get all of those free referrals that they're constantly talking about. Like, well, this guy's amazing. This this team is amazing. This girl is amazing. They just kept going and going. Like, you're always delivering so much more than they ever expected. But most people expect a lot up front, and then a drop-off at the transaction, and then it becomes a transaction. And the secret to adding value to any, you know, connection with a client or any type of a a project like this is to keep that client experience uh, transformational throughout. And that's no easy task, Dwayne. That's no easy task because we do, we're magicians in our industry and what we do, if clients ever knew that even 20% of the rabbits we got to pull out of hats every single day just to make this look easy, it would blow their fucking minds. Yeah, it would blow their minds to the kind of stress that we're under the 24 hour pressure to making sure this stuff lands on time and then it rains and then the trucks are stuck. And then this is all this makes it feel like a transaction to us, a burden after we've sold the project. But how do we do it in a way that we can make it feel more transformational from beginning to end from the client, even if we're still feeling some of those pains, right? Because that's what it is. But for them, they don't feel it with us. So does that answer your question?
1: Yes, sort of kind of, but it actually it answers the broad spectrum of mm-hmm. what creates even the whole operation. So, it does answer the question, but it's a total broad spectrum because as you're growing, you're sort of moving into an unknown. You mean of of a business or a career. You thought it was going to be some way, especially when you grow. Like, you know what I mean? Like when you look at the size of your company right now, you knew you wanted to build a company that, you mean, that did well, grew, you sort of didn't know that it was going to be like that. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then you get it there. You're like, holy shit. Like, I don't even have enough time in the day. Like, Mm -hmm. like just, you know, like we were even like for our podcast meetings that we have, you and I, we, we set up a few minutes before, You mean to have this meeting, we can talk about what we're gonna talk about. And then, you know what I mean? We're like, okay, let's do it today. And I I have to call you up like, bro, I'm gonna barely slide in. Like, you mean, when this thing's starting, the the moment you hit the thing to come on, that's when I'm gonna be sitting down to slide in. And oh, by the way, I looked at nothing. (laughs) <laughs> that you sent me today. <laughs> you know what I mean? And if I did, if I had the courtesy to do it, it would have been illegal because I was going back from one meeting to the next meeting and I'm in a meeting and I'm looking and I'm getting this stuff. So I think what happens is you st- I think the whole world of what curate kicks in but the demand of the client, the um, the staff the suppliers, the demand is still there. And they think you're so like, everybody thinks you're supposed to be a certain way. They're not even here yet. They're not, they haven't made it to the level of business that you're in. And they just think that, oh, well, the other company does, or this company does, and you are supposed to be. And I, I just, I remember telling a, um, a client this year, and I said, this is not an excuse, but I need you to bear with me. I said, I, we've got so much business coming in that I don't even know if I'm going left or right. And I said, the problem that I have with this is I've never been here before. And as I was saying it, it's really when it the words that I spoke really sort of hit me because I was being so authentic. I've never been here before. I've never had this many clients come in. I've never had this many crews out there working. I've, I've never, well, I'm not going to say I've not managed this type of money, but it's a different type of money a different type of thing that I'm managing, but I've never done this before. And so now I'm trying to figure out how to do it and still keep that same soft touch that I've always had with my clients and build that operation that's there. Yeah. So there's a lot to that. I, I I think the more you move on is the more you 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 do, you mean contact your past clients. And I think it, it, it depends on what type of project it is and, and how you got through it. I, I think maybe in our industry how we we contact them. What I do can say though is when I was the paper patio company, we always felt like we weren't getting paid enough. So we would just do a patio, do a wall, do a step. So if a client was calling us up, something was falling apart and we were like, man, I got to deal with that now because we've changed those practices and we don't really care what it costs. If you don't want to pay for that type of quality, we just won't do it. But now we have that type of quality where stuff doesn't move or fall apart. And we had an issue. We had an issue with the pergola embarrassing as it could be, we tore it down and rebuilt it. We had an issue with a water feature. Man, I got a water feature that it giving us hell from two and a half years. And we're still fixing this water feature. And the client one minute is nice to us. One minute he's mad to us. The next minute he's like, get this shit out of here or, or give me my money back. And we're still working to get it done. And the problem is, is it's not our problem. It's the water feature manufacturers and the materials that we bought, but it's already built in there. And yeah. so now it's like either we take it all out and, and go out of our pocket to fix something that they sold us. You know I mean, but it's just that reoccurring conversation you're having with the client. You mean building that repertoire of conversation is what you have to build. And and that's, to me, Joshua, that's where the marketing moves to the innovation and, and it's marketing innovation because you're keeping this conversation going. Like you and I don't have to market at all, but- I think we do, just to show the world. I, I I think you. I think I'm to the point where I'm. I'm not. I don't have a ton of business. Where you mean? I have enough business to manage the people. I guess the best way to say it is. I don't want to sound like I'm. I got a ton of shit, but I have a lot of business to, for the amount of people that I have on staff. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, you know I mean, sure. you know I mean as I grow and we need more business and more revenue, we would have to do more marketing more things. But the amount of staff and the amount of people that I have in place, I have a lot of business. So I feel like now I'm marketing sort of like a McDonald's, like, you know, what I mean the calls are coming in. And McDonald's doesn't need to put one commercial out, but they're putting commercial out to let you know we run, we still run this shit. You know what I mean? Like we still got these burgers and we still got these fries. Come over here and get some of these joints. You know what I mean? And they still here. Even though you don't have to look at the menu, you know what you want, but we still got these joints in here and come get these fries. <laughs> I thought I'd drop some slang on you on that one too. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> that
0: was nice. A little, I'm going to have to get learning. the
1: definition of joints here pretty soon. <laughs>
0: But you're right. I mean, think about it, Dwayne, the same concept. Think about think about McDonald's. You know, do they need to advertise? Really? I mean, everyone knows what McDonald's is, but if they aren't in front of your eyes all the time, you then start having choices. You start thinking somewhere else. And even though you want to go there for that experience, you might try somewhere else but if you're constantly seeing stuff from them you're constantly like, "Oh right, yeah, that's right. I remember. I like that. I, that actually looks really good. Let's do this. Let's do that." So, same thing with your marketing now even in the outdoor living sector or you know, regardless of where you are at this point. It's it's more about constantly staying in front of your people, the right communication, the right topics, what's bothering them, what's on their mind, how you solve those problems. That's all part of that marketing machine and what vehicles are best whether it's social media, whether it's ad space, whether it's radio, whether it's billboards, whatever it is it doesn't really matter it's more about making sure you keep in front of your ideal client you have to know if they travel a lot you have to know if they're, they they work from home constantly how do you get in front of them you know social media has been the great equalizer that way because 99% of the of people with cell phones are on social media of some sort which one are they on do they like so, do they like Instagram more do they like Facebook more and what you can find out is when, if you're on those platforms is to Look up those people, your clients, and see if you can find them on there. Are they there? And if they are, how engaging are they? Are they on there all the time? Like they're always commenting on things or not? And when you do that, you get a better sense of what platform that they use more. And you can even ask them too, just in conversation. You know, do you what do you guys normally prefer? You know, Facebook or Instagram? And and they uh, they might say, oh, we love Instagram. You know, Facebook is something I go on to talk to my friends once in a while, but Instagram is really where I go for design inspiration and this kind of thing. Since it's kind of built more for that, right, with pictures. So. It's a matter of thinking about where they are, because if you have all the right things to say, you have tons of money behind it, but you end up putting it in the wrong boat and shipping it out, you think it's going to end up on the right island? It's not going to. It's not going to. It's going to end up in the wrong one.
1: I was actually going to jump in on that. I, I'm Man, that's a perfect segue. I think it's one of the biggest problems that a lot of marketing has right now, too, is is that there are there is money behind the engine. So when the marketing or the marketer or the company says, hey, we can do this marketing for you, what's going on? And the worst thing you can have going for you is not really know what your story is and what your marketing is. And then just like you say, you pump $10,000 in this and nothing happens. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest problems you can have is having too much money right off the rip into this. Like you sorta, of, like when you're, I, I don't say it's the best thing in the world to be is broke because I remember those days and how much it sucked, but there's somewhat of an in-between when you're watching those ends. Um, and that's another little slang is ends. You're watching those ends and you're like, I gotta do something that's the most effective. And what's the most effective? You know what I mean? I'm gonna drop this over here. I'm gonna put this over here. Which is going to give that most effective? So that that's a dope, You know, mean, little in you, you know, mean, that you brought up. Like, you got to know where to put it. You just can't give somebody some money. And that's one of the yeah. biggest mistakes that's made.
0: I see that. And they say, oh, marketing sucks. I used to say the same thing. Marketing sucks. It's a big waste of money. Social media, big waste of money. I put all this money into it, but a thousand bucks a month and I'd spend and nothing happened. And you're like, oh God, that means I, if I have to do it for 12 months, that's 12000 I don't have $12,000. I was hoping a 1000 or two would get me through. And then come spring, you get all these calls. This is great. And then it goes back down and you cut the ad spend and now you're back to nothing again because nobody knows who you are or what you're doing. So, you know, one of the big things that helped us a lot uh, years ago was I read a book called uh, Story Brand by Donald Miller. And he talks about creating a story around your brand. And when you do, Uh, And you get that nailed down and get your brand script nailed down. It's a process you can go through with those guys. And what will happen is you'll now have have a a, a story that you can communicate to your, to your ideal client, right? Assuming that you understand who they are and what they need. You have that story. Now, when you hand your story off to a marketing agency, they then can be like, okay, I get exactly what they're trying to talk to people about. So all of your different assets that they're going to create for you, whether it's, you know, a, a video like you'll create or they'll create some kind of digital picture or, or whatever it might be, right, that it is all tied back into that conversation you had on that brand script or your story for your company so that you don't have to every single time go out and say, okay, guys, this week, we're going to talk about this. And pretty soon you're directing your man, your, your marketing director, you're, you're managing them, and then you're, you're doing an additional job, which you're not supposed to have to do. But if everybody knows the story, just like if you picked up a book and you read the book and you said, all right, well, that's a great book. Everybody can talk about the story that's in that book because the story's in a book, right? It, it's beginning to end. You can read it. It's, it's the same story for everyone who reads it, right? So there might be different interpretations here and there, but the reality is the core story is always the same. Create a story for your business, then that marketing agency opens the book, they read it, they look through, and it's like, great, I know exactly how we're gonna create assets for your business because it comes from a story which came from your heart. You're good to go, right? There's not a whole lot of thinking that has to be put into that every single month where you gotta come up with all these different titles and thoughts, and because that takes a lot of time. But if you have a, a good agency, they're gonna be able to, or a good person, whatever that looks like, uh, they're gonna be able to do a lot of that for you, which helps keep your time focused in the innovation side, which is where you need to be, right? Uh, that's creating content if you're on job sites or you're shooting stuff or you're explaining why you're doing it a certain way or you're showing your detail or you're showing your different videos that you're making or explanations or just night shots like a million different ways you can do it to make yourself look different Uh, or even your drone shots and all those kinds of things so you know it's focusing on you could be very innovative with your marketing and to my point there you can have a lot of fun with that and differentiate yourself but marketing and innovation guys is the number one number the two things you need to be focusing on in your business and even if you're overwhelmed with everything going on in the field and trying to manage your company you need to step back and think about what are you doing to market and innovate so that you can stay ahead of the curve and constantly become keep fresh ideas coming to the table and keep it fun too right dwayne if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over the drudgery alone will kill you right but if you are constantly innovating and changing it's fun it's different you're growing it's, it's what I look forward to. I love that part of business. And that, that translates to all businesses. That's not just this outdoor living stuff.
1: You ever you ever heard the saying about the guy who the conveyor belts breaks down like at Amazon and the whole system shuts down and the guy shows up and they hire him and he's there for like 10 minutes and he looks at it and he takes like a hammer and he taps twice on one machine and the whole system turns on. You ever heard the story like that? like those little stories. So, I mean, basically that's the story. Then he sends the company a bill and the bill's like $100,000. And I'm like, man, you've only been there for like 10 minutes. And $999,000 was for, uh, okay, what it say, a dollar for the tap. Okay, I charged you a dollar to tap it. But the other bill for $999,000, I mean, that is for knowing where to tap. Yep. And. I believe that's who we have to become to grow our businesses, because the marketing and innovation is basically what your business is. And so hiring and bringing these people in, like you're saying, they have to understand the why and the flow of who we are. Like anytime the business is not making money, you got to, where's my why at? You mean, and that's, that's whenever I feel like I'm spinning out, What's up my why? Am I on my why? Am I Am I on my why? And why? Another question. Is that so, like, why is that something that's like mystery in the beginning? Like, the why, like, man, you got to define your why. To the bit. I mean, when I first heard it, like, what the fuck is a why? Yeah. Like, Why did I hear anything about that? But, man,
0: when you define that why, whoa, you got to watch out, you that's know? That's right. Most why's most business owners why's is because I got to pay the bills. I want to make some money. I don't have a job now. I just quit. This is all in, baby. I burned the boat. So ready to roll. My why is because tomorrow I don't have an option. This is what it is. And that's, we go into business that way, but oftentimes it sticks with you and it sticks with you throughout. And then you get stuck on a plateau because i only take you so far when only you are doing it. And your why is just to make enough money to, uh, to pay all the bills and yourself. So when you start going further than that and you start getting into this, you know, the bigger concept of why am I doing this from a deeper philosophical standpoint? And whether it's helping people or creating outdoor spaces to bring, to bring family and friends closer together, or you just love creating really cool stuff that never existed before, or who knows? Maybe you love... Winning awards, you love the accreditation from magazines and from other people. Like it doesn't matter what it is. No, nobody's here to judge what your why is. But when you become clear on that, it is your beacon. It is your your lighthouse, if you will. And you're always going that direction. And you know that about yourself. Things are so much easier. But that's all dictated through your marketing plan, through that story uh, brand script, so that you can communicate that out to your clients. Because then those right clients come to you that want to do what you love to do. And next thing you know, you're doing what you love to do every day. Imagine how cool that could be, you know, where, where you're, you don't have much more to think about, but I'm getting up, I'm going to go out, I'm going to do whatever I love to do. And uh, tomorrow I'm going to do it again. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. It's going to be really cool.
1: You get caught in that cycle mean you, you get do. caught in that cycle and over and over again. And I think that's why you're not marketing innovating. And it's the same thing over and over again. And you hear the guy, well, I just had to do it because a client wanted it. Like, and you took, you did that job because you needed some money. And the only reason
0: why you need some money is because you're not doing the jobs that you really want to do. Yeah, that all comes from the, because you're not innovating. You're not marketing that innovation and and all of that. So, you know, here we're going to wrap up. You know, the, the one thing I can say as far as the something to think about with your business is since we know that it's marketing and innovation, it's all business boils down to, is become obsessed, absolutely obsessed with marketing and innovation and just sit back and watch how incredibly far your business will take you.